the genre exposure of film podcast. Join us as we explore the wide world of cinema, brighten our horizons one movie at a time. I'm one of your hosts, Dustin, and as usual, I am here with Jason. Hey, everyone. How's it going? Happy Halloween, my friend. It has arrived. It has arrived. The holy times. The best times. <sighs> Indeed. The one month of the year where we can continue watching horror films like we always do. <laughs> yes, but it's more socially acceptable. Yeah, suddenly everyone else cares for 30, 30 yeah. 31 days. If you're wearing your horror shirt that you're always wearing, <laughs> people are just like, oh, you're really in the Halloween spirit. That's awesome. Yes. <laughs> and it's all kicking off with our new block which we're, we're retreading on an old idea because there's just so many of them out there we're going to be looking at some more halloween time set films indeed where it's either on halloween around halloween or it's got that yep. kind of fall vibe to it i think is the goal exactly and we're kicking it off with a new film which you selected for us jason i have indeed cobweb mm. i make the point it's cobweb not cobwebs who says it's cobwebs? Which I mistakenly thought after the last episode, oh. and when trying to look it up, I realized there was a discrepancy. <laughs> no, it's singular cobweb. Yes. One cobweb. One cobweb. The cobwebs is the yet-to-be-produced sequel. That That is the obvious sequel bait <laughs> title. Mm-hmm. You're going to do that. Um, but yeah, it's this year. It's directed by... Um, Samuel Bowden directed this movie. Yes, Samuel Bowden. Um, and interesting, I, I thought you made an interesting, like, accidental link to Tenantina in that we once again have a foreign director, this time French. Mm-hmm. You're right, so it's probably Samuel Bowden. <laughs> Perhaps, yeah. Um, we have a foreign director making a first-time feature horror debut. Yes. So it's interesting, I thought. Because he had worked uh, on the... Netflix show Marianne, which mm. is a series, a French series, which is horror, mm-hmm. uh, which I have not seen. It's been sitting in my queue for years. I have not either. I just yeah. haven't gotten around to it. Um, but now, I'm going to do that. I looked him up on uh, IMDb and some other places, and he's done a few short films mm-hmm. I had seen. So, Right. Well, we shall uh, discuss him at length a little bit later. We shall, but first, we're going to do all our usual stuff, talk about what we've been watching, and uh, have some very... Shout out type stuff, news update things. Yeah, what you got? Stuff I wanted to talk about. So, first of all, just a general update for anyone that's along with us on the uh, Muckverse <laughs> insanity. Oh, that Kickstarter funded. Mm-hmm. So it, the, the Blu-rays are coming out. I will receive mine at some point. <laughs> we can thoroughly discuss it. Excellent. And and see if this is the one. Well, as soon as I, you I get it, it we one. will review yes. it in 4K, no less. Wow. Yeah. Oh, so we get to watch it at my place. That's my plan. Awesome. That way you can't escape it either. <laughs> I don't want to escape it. I'm um, embracing it. But there's another Kickstarter I wanted to talk about. Mm-hmm. Again, there's no um, sponsorship in this at all. This is just purely from a fan perspective. So they're running a Kickstarter right now to kind of do a revival of Amicus Productions. Mm-hmm. Which I'm sure if you're a big horror fan, you're familiar with the term. And I think even if you've listened just to our show and that's your only exposure to any of that, yeah, we've talked about Amicus as well. But briefly, they were like... One of the real competitors to Hammer in mm-hmm. British cinema. They did the Tales from the Crypt, Vault of Horror, a lot of those old anthologies. I'd say they're very known for their anthologies. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they're doing a Kickstarter to kind of do a new Amicus film. They've got the they've got the you know the license, the logo, all the kind of stuff going on. Um, awesome. And they're kind of trying to do it in the style of a classic Amicus film. So oh, see, that's what I like want. The produced sets, the lavish costumes, mm-hmm. the way they're shooting it, the way they're framing everything. And the the film, which is called In the Grip of Terror, it's going to be an anthology. 
the way it should be. Um, and I was very Im- impressed because every segment is kind of pulled from literature. They're pulling from H.P. Lovecraft, Ambrose Bierce, uh, E.F. Benson was the other one. Mm. So really cool because that's, that's another like yeah. you know hallmark of some of those classic uh, anthology films. Yeah, is when yeah. they would pull from literature to really deliver a cool story. Right. That's um, awesome. That's so go news. give it a look, check it out, watch their trailers, see everything they've got, see if it's something that you want to support. And if you haven't seen any Amicus films, run out there and do so. Yes, especially for October. That's make, they make great watches for mm-hmm. that. Tells from the Crypt is a great place to start. Um, I noticed that uh, I guess one of the major people involved, they've done some other films that they've kickstarted in the past. Um, let me see. It's um, Laurie Brewster... Um, what I knew of this from was, uh, this feature film called the Lord of Tears, which was this like supernatural horror, kind of folksy horror film hmm. that, um, has this really cool, like Owlman looking monster. Hmm. And they did this like viral marketing stunt for it before, I think before they even had a Kickstarter where they like had a, a it was an abandoned asylum or a hospital or something. They kind of like set up this whole thing of people going there to like urban explore it. But they had someone like in the Owlman costume, like come out and frighten people and we're filming the whole thing. And See, that sounds dangerous. That sounds like a good way to get hurt. Yeah, maybe, but cause I've seen those cool. pranks where people like, you know, pop out of a garbage can or something and mm-hmm. some dude's scared and he just, <laughs> you know, your reflex is the, you know, fight <laughs> or flight. They get punched in the face for their trouble. Um, it's been a few years, but it was pretty cool. So I'll probably, uh, when I do up the show notes, I'll troll through YouTube and find the original, like, viral stunt thing. Cool. Throw that in there. Yeah. Um, otherwise, what have you been watching, my guy? All right. Um, since it is October, Halloween times, I'm concentrating on horror films. Mm-hmm. So I watched one from 1964 called Witchcraft. English black and white film. Okay. So this isn't the um, soft core direct to video witchcraft <laughs> series. Uh, you mean one through 15 or yeah. however far it got? God, I want a box out of that so fucking bad. <laughs> if we can manifest something into reality, I want it to be the witchcraft box set. Well, I've done it before. Um, this is directed by Don Sharp, who oh, okay. you may know. He did a couple of Hammer films. Yeah. He, speaking of British horror. Yeah. He did the underrated uh, Kiss of the Vampire. And he did uh, Rasputin, the Mad Monk, with Christopher Lee. Nice. Also very good. He did a bunch of the Avengers uh, episodes. Um, Wait, like Marvel's Avengers? <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's it's fun. It's a good old-fashioned... Uh, it's a, well, let me tell you what the uh, synopsis is here. Ah, so... When her grave is disturbed by modern-day land developers, a 300-year-old witch is accidentally resurrected and terrorizes an English village. Cool. So you got lots of lots of nice, you know, fog-bound cemeteries and some gothic imagery and things like that. Um, I can dig it. Yeah, it's like a good companion piece to something like um, City of the Dead, mm. a.k.a. Horror Hotel. Which is an all-right film. It is better than all right. <laughs> it is better than all right. You fool. Um, but I recommend it. It's free on Tubi. It's an hour and 20. It's got, it's probably one of Lon Chaney Jr.'s last good performances. Because he doesn't seem drunk as a skunk and he actually gives a <laughs> shit here. That helps. Yeah, so he's pretty good. Uh, yeah, I recommend it. It's fun. If you like the old school gothic, 
you know, English drawing room horror type stuff. You might dig it. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. How about you, dude? What have you been watching? You got anything else before I, I mm. launch into some no, stuff? No, go for it. No? Okay. Um, so this isn't quite... Maybe... Well, it could be horror. Some people call this horror. Some don't. It's definitely horror adjacent. I have continued down the road a little bit with some kaiju films. Oh. Mostly thanks to the fact that Pluto TV has that awesome Godzilla channel. Right. So it's very easy to just pop one of those on and kind of have it in the background and then ignore whatever I was doing to watch it instead. Uh, so I want to talk about um, Godzilla, Mothra, and King Ghidorah, giant monsters, all out attack. Oh, that's one of my favorites. Also, sometimes just shorthandedly known as GMK. Yeah, that's classic, dude. It's of the Millennium series, so it was the 2000 era uh, run of Godzilla. Mm-hmm. Arguably, maybe the best from that bunch because it's it's just so cool. It's a good one. Um, it does a lot of different. It, it's the one where they really tried to be super creative and like flip the script on a lot of stuff. So you've got. A Godzilla that is actually like evil and just purely menacing again. And that's the one where he has just the white eyes, yeah. right? Yeah, I like that look. Um, it, it, it's this thing where it's like it's brought forth by like the angry spirits of those that died in World War II. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of trying to get back to the whole like humanity is the source of its own downfall right. type angle. Right. Um, but then tied up with that, they have this legend of like these guardian monsters in Japan that will appear to protect it if there's ever trouble. Mm-hmm. And it sort of recasts some of the other classic Godzilla kaiju in those roles, notably Mothra, and then I think, um, is it Baragon? Or... Baragon's in yeah, it. Yeah. He gets a brutal beatdown by he, Godzilla. He, he does not fare well. I mean, you feel bad um, for him. But the real crazy flip is that for years and years and years, King Ghidorah has been this sort of like like the iconic evil enemy of the series mm-hmm. and this like space monster that's just, just like completely antagonistic to the idea of yeah, the earth. He's the big bad. But here he is like the top guardian, like kaiju monster thing of Japan. Yeah. And a lot of the film is rooted in them figuring out how to like awaken Ghidorah to save the day and stop Godzilla's rampage. Yeah, so Godzilla is a serious villain in this one. Yeah. It's awesome. And it's so cool. It's also the one where they throw in their little like pithy line about the um, American Godzilla. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's like yeah. one of my favorite things in the opening. They kind of they do a whole like you know bureaucratic thing where it's like a lot of politicians and be like, oh, what are we gonna do? What's going on? And they just throw in like a little offhanded line that's like, oh, they say Godzilla attacked America, and then they're like, oh, don't you know they thought it was Godzilla, but it actually wasn't. It's some big dumb lizard or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's it's great. That's just like the greatest acknowledgement of that whole situation and scenario. But it, it, it's super fun. It's super awesome. I'm probably just preaching to the choir, but definitely if you're maybe only like. A uh, little ways into the pool on Godzilla films. This is one to seek out and watch. Oh, yeah, definitely. I've never seen it's it. one of the highlights. Um, so that's that. Mm-hmm. Speaking of kaiju films, I also watched the new Gamera series that came out on Netflix. Okay, how was that? I'm just a little, little Netflix boy. Apparently. 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 Uh, Gamera Rebirth just dropped like a month or two ago. Is it animated? It is. It's okay. an original net animation made directly to go to streaming. Um, and it's a complete, total, like, reboot, reimagining of the whole Gamera franchise. Is Kenny in it? Because if Kenny's not in it, I'm not watching it. <laughs> um, and it's pretty fun. It feels very, like, very true to the tone of Gamera, because there is, like, the kid angle going mm-hmm. on in it. Um, they do some interesting, like, concepts and ideas. It's set during the 80s, and it's set, um... Gosh, I don't remember the city they said, but it's it's there's, like, a military base. I don't know if it's actually Okinawa, but... There is a military base there that's like American held. Mm -hmm. And so the kid plot is like it's the summer school for these kids 
and the one is like really smart and his parents are pushing him to go to like a nicer school and stuff and so he's going to be like moving and going to a different school so it's like their last summer together and they're trying to like have this like you know final friendship thing with their little like group they pal around in uh-huh. um so that's going on and then there's a group of little older teens that are american kids whose parents all work on the military base and they're sort of just going about the town bullying people and being like little shits mm. while that's going on there's a mysterious organization and they're researching some kaiju related stuff they accidentally wake up gauss which are the weird like little bird yeah. monsters that's like an iconic gamera villain right they start swarming and because of their swarming it brings Gamera forth to stop them and it gets into a big like multi-sided thing where it's like the military wants to stop all of them and the kids realize Gamera is good and they're trying to like support it and they kind of get the like 90s era kaiju mysterious intrigue where you have this organization that's studying kaiju Mm. good mix of stuff now there are some problems with it Um, they're doing the like cel-shaded 3d cg thing yeah it looks great when it's the kaiju and they're fighting. And right. That's all you're seeing. Right. When it cuts to the people, I mean, it. you're talking about like a video game cut scene from maybe like 10, 15 yeah. years ago. Like it looks really bad. Same effect for any mech too mm-hmm. in that sort of animation style. It just, it does not work at all and it's really awful and I'm sure it's, it's I'm sure it saves a ton of money, but. Um, yeah. But the story's fun. The ideas are fun. It's cool to see a lot of like the really old like black and white era Gamera stuff reimagined. Hmm. Um, but yeah, it's like the same same deal kind of happens. the The main kids they end up with like a, sort of like a bond with Gamera, where if they're in trouble, he'll show up to save them mm-hmm. and and all that fun stuff. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, so it's fun. It's enjoyable. If you love Gamera, it's worth watching. If you just need more kaiju stuff, it's probably worth a watch. Um, animation's pretty rough. <laughs> I can't think of Gamera without thinking of the MST3K episodes. <laughs> I just can't. Dude, I love Gamera, especially the 80s, like the Heisei era ones, that trilogy. Yeah. Where they took it a little darker. Mm-hmm. Which I wonder if that's where this show's going to go, because I'm not going to spoil it. It's um, it's only like six episodes or so. It's a pretty quick watch, but uh, they hit a lot of the iconic Gamera villains, but there's a few they left out. And based on those, I think like there's a good second season they can do if they want to push forward with it cool we shall wait and see we shall see but that's all i got all right man well now we get that out of the way should we get to the movie of the week yes let's So today we are talking about Cobweb from 2023, directed by Samuel Bowden, or Bodin. Bodin, you might say. Indeed. Uh, yes. Um, I shall give you the yes. synopsis. Hit us with a synopsis. An eight-year-old boy tries to investigate the mysterious knocking sounds that are coming from inside the walls of his house, unveiling a dark secret that his sinister parents have kept hidden from him. So immediately you understand this is a Jason pick. There's a small kid and they're in peril. I swear to fucking God, I do not mean to keep doing this. I don't, I, mean, know, I don't know why this is happening. These episodes are existing in perpetuity, and so it's just the evidence is piling up against you. So, But, you know, and I was thinking about it, and all the other Halloween picks I had in my mind, mm-hmm. 
each one of them involves children in some way. I mean, that's definitely an angle, right, to do a Halloween story, so... Right. Yeah, because usually it involves some trick-or-treaters or something mm-hmm. like that. Children are eventually going to be involved in some way, it seems. Anyway. Uh, so let's do some setup stuff first. Uh, what genre is this? Uh, man, this is like straight-up horror. Pure horror, yeah. IMDb says horror thriller, but... Uh... <laughs> It's I think horror. that's just kind of like a toss in. This is know? this is old school horror, and that's one of the things I like about it. It it is a modern film that has the sensibility of an eighties film. A good eighties film. Not like uh, you know, uh, hacking up teenagers type thing. This this just reminds me I think I mentioned it last time, but this reminds me so much of those little gems you would find at a video store back in the eighties. Give me an example. Um, something like Critters, something like, mm. I don't want to say the next one because we might wind up watching it. Um, <laughs> no, I'll just say it. The Lady in White. Okay. If you've never seen that one. Also set during Halloween, which we will probably cover at some point. One day. For sure. <laughs> or The Gate. The gate. Oh, I love The Gate. Yeah. 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 And actually, I think this, this really could have been a PG-13 movie. If it wasn't for some of the violence that happens eventually. Mm, it wasn't. I no, it's rated yeah. R. Okay. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, it's too bloody for a PG-13, which I appreciate and I admire. But I guess, yeah. it's almost shocking this wasn't, like, you know, PG-13 than the unrated cut. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Well, uh, I guess first little trivia fact we should throw out about this movie. They sent it out to die by running it up against the Barbenheimer yes. opening weekend. Yes. It was, <laughs> it was nuked by the power of Barbenheimer. Uh <laughs> I never even knew about this movie. No, I, I I first heard about it when I guess it hit streaming and then people were watching it and talking about it. Yes. I didn't know anything about it until I saw a Red Letter Media video on it. And yeah, that made me want to watch it and I really liked it and now I want to talk about it too. Uh, a little little more background. Spoiler, um, I really liked it, but it's my pick. So, of course <laughs> I liked it. Eh, not always. <laughs> if it's a blind pick, this is true. <laughs> Um, the screenplay for this, it was written by Chris Thomas Devlin. Yeah. Do you know what else he wrote? What? Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yes. Yes. I think this guy. The, the, the 2022 one, the Netflix yeah, one. Yeah, the, the good one. The, the leather face <laughs> hiding in the daisies. Yeah, sunflowers. It's awesome Sorry, shot. sunflowers. Very evocative. <laughs> oh, God. Fuck you, man. <laughs> I swear to God. I think you're just trying to fuck with me. No, I will I will die on the hill for that movie. Uh, oh, I, there are dumb parts I love and laugh at, but my God, it's a terrible movie. It's a terrible movie. It's great. It's a perfect commentary on all the reasons the reboot cool slasher is a shitty idea. Well, I agree with that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, and for him to write that and then write this, they're polar opposites. Mm-hmm. Um. That's interesting. But it was included in the 2018 Blacklist. So that's a list of very highly desired, well-valued screenplays that are kind of kicking around. Yeah, he has a couple more in production. That uh, studios might option. Also, uh, it was produced by Seth Rogen. Yeah. And it's kind of the first one like of a horror film that he's taken on to uh, kind of produce. I admire that. I'm, I'm, I'm coming to um, begrudgingly respect Seth Rogen. I never really cared for him that much for his movies or stuff. But did you ever see Meet the Fablemans? No. He's very good in it. He's very good in it. Is it called Meet the Fablemans or is it just the Fablemans? (laughs) It doesn't matter. (laughs) It's neither here nor there. Um, I'm not a huge fan of him. Uh, I often think that if something of his is great, it's despite his involvement. But 
It's just the Fablemans. <laughs> Why did I say? I'm thinking of Meet the Feebles. Meet the Feebles, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a totally different movie. That's uh, a crossover <laughs> I want to see happen now. Someone should throw that on Kickstarter. <laughs> That's wonderful. Fantastic. I'm meet, sorry. Meet the Feeblemans. <laughs> I want it. I want it right fuck now. I'm sorry. What were you saying? Um. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm usually not a fan of stuff he's worked on or involved in. But there are there are some that I am, and I often feel it's despite his involvement. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, he's done one or two I liked, but yeah. maybe he's maturing. Uh, I've got more notes, but I think the rest of it uh, can wait. Okay. Wait till the end. Pops up. Very good. So set the stage for this, where we begin. We open with a title card mm-hmm. that says, One Week Before Halloween. And we see a young boy. He looks pretty dour. Mm-hmm. Doesn't look very happy. He's probably, what, about eight? Eight sounds good. Yeah, going about his day. He's going to school. Doesn't look happy about it. And this is Peter, played Peter. by Woody Norman. Who does a very good job. Very good job. I, uh, kid performances are always really hard to make work. He's one of those little precocious British actors. Mm-hmm. So, they you know he does he does a really good job. I like it. Yeah, it's a hard line to walk. It really is for mm-hmm. kid actors. Um, so we see a little bit of his day, and then we see him sleeping in his room at night, mm-hmm. like you do, as you do. And he has this horrific Jack in the Box. That's a cat's head. Did you yeah, catch that? Yeah, that was disturbing. Yeah. I kind of want one, though. I, too, would be up with worry at night. That was what was staring <laughs> yeah, at me. I get their head of that, yeah. kid. Um, but at night, he hears some he hears like some loud sounds, like a series of thuds yeah. that are kind of distant, get a little bit closer, and then it's quiet. And then it sounds like something's behind his wall. Mm-hmm. It's a very distinct, almost knocking kind of sound, though. Yes. Yeah. Almost like a, like a tapping sort of thing. He gets up, turns on the light, and he looks out the window, and we get some cool, eerie shots of like a door slamming outside at the shed. Mm-hmm. For some reason, this family has a giant pumpkin patch in their backyard. Yeah, it, it's huge. It, the entirety of their backyard is just pumpkin patch. Yeah, but it's so Halloween. And I'm, I'm going to go ahead and mention this right now. Uh, the cinematography in this movie is amazing. It is a gorgeous film. And I see you squinting at me. <laughs> but exper- especially all the exterior shots. Dude, it's gore. It looks like it looks like film. Like I don't know what it was shot on. They probably had some sort of a filter on it to make it look like give it some film grain or something. But it has so much depth and and and, and nice deep dark colors. I don't know how you watched this. I did watch the Blu-ray. I went and bought it. I so it looked really nice. Streamed it on Amazon. Okay. So I don't know what kind of a presentation you got exactly. But even when I saw it on Amazon, I was pretty impressed with the style. It looks like a fucking movie. It's evocative of the 70s films to me. Mm-hmm. Are you not feeling this? I kind of thought the cinematography was like, you know, whatever, man. Like, mm-hmm. Okay. All right. It just seemed pretty, uh, pretty standard, like, 2020s horror hmm. vibe. Okay. All right. What I was getting. That's, uh, that's your prerogative. Okay. <laughs> uh, Buckle the fuck up for this one. Oh, God. See, I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> I fucking knew it. I said it last time. I knew it. All right. This, this should be an entertaining episode. Uh, so, like, he goes to the wall, and he, like, taps on the wall a couple of times. And then there's, like, a louder tap coming from behind the wall. Mm-hmm. Clearly, well, it, it seems responsive. We don't yes. know if it is, but... And we also get, like, an exterior shot 
and we can see that his room, there's nothing next to it mm-hmm. from where this wall is coming from. And I wanted to ask you about this. Mm-hmm. I didn't know if this was maybe just um, a trick of the eye. Yeah. But did, a lot of the times when you see the wall, does it look to you like it's kind of like pushed out? Like it didn't look like it was a normal straight wall. Like maybe at an angle? Yeah. I didn't catch that. Mm. But it's something to look at next time. I wonder if it would just seemed it was like a funny way they filmed it or if it was intentional to kind of like immediately there's this little subtle suggestion that hmm. maybe it's cause I am Mason's old place and there's strange <laughs> angles in all the walls here. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the only wall that's like that, but hmm. okay. Well, I'll go back and take a look at that. Um, so like any scared kid does, he runs to his parents room. Right. So yeah. He... I felt this where it's like, he's, he's in there and he's kind of just staring at them for a moment. And then right. he's like, mom, and then they're like, what's going on? Yeah, because when you're a kid, like, the parents' bedroom can be, like, verboten. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a place you don't really want to go into. Yeah. Either you're not allowed to or you just, you don't want to. Don't want to wake them up. <laughs> um, and that's one thing I'll go ahead and say about this movie, too. It's very much made from a kid's perspective. Mm-hmm. Which I appreciate. So, anyway. Yeah, he drags. His, his mom goes into the room. Listening doesn't hear anything. Says it's an old house. It makes noises. Yep, it's what they do. Says he has a great imagination, and those scary things are just in his head. Which the mom is Carol, played by Lizzie Kaplan. Lizzie now, Kaplan. I did not recognize her in this role till like way late into the film. I'm not sure why, but I, you know, I don't. The only thing I'm really seeing that I've seen her in was Cloverfield. Oh, you're not you're not a Mean Girls connoisseur like myself. I'm not. Mm. No, too bad. But I did enjoy Cloverfield. She's the one that got bitten by those parasites yeah. and wound up exploding. Great moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, but what to say about Carol? She's she's a little awkward the entire time. You can tell she's she's intense. Yeah, she's very intense. High strong. Um, high strong. A lot of anxiety that seems to inform mm-hmm. her many actions. Yes. And we don't we don't meet him too much at this point. We do briefly see the dad as well, Mark, played by Anthony Starr. The great Anthony Starr. The Homelander himself. I really thought he was playing kind of off cast in this at first, because I was like, I just I'm just not getting that vibe that I usually get from him. Mm-hmm. And until you get a little ways in and he gets mad the first time. Yeah. And I was like, oh shit, there it is. He is so good <laughs> at, at conjuring that that anger that that kind of yeah. that simmering intensity like, but reserved like it's always like one step away from exploding yeah but never the, quite the, it's like a quiet menace yeah. he is so good at that he should do more horror he does he needs yeah. to do more horror he needs to play like a straight-up villain in something mm-hmm. besides being homelander <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so then the next morning he leaves for school Mm-hmm. And we see like some exterior shots of their house in the daytime, and it is not well kept. No, pretty dilapidated. Which yeah. the whole neighborhood's kind of ran down. It is. Um, but we discover that he does not have a good time at school. He's no. immediately tripped on the bus, and they say there's going to be more of that during recess. Yes, he's very painfully bullied by um, Brian, played by Luke Busey. <laughs> yes. Who, this was a fun fact that I found out that I did not know. He is the uh, son of Gary Busey. Yes, he did is. I didn't know he had a, a teenage son that was that age. Mm-hmm. Sure does. 
um, later in the film when he's in peril, you can definitely see it in the face. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. There's a part <laughs> later on where you're like, oh my God, that's a Busey. Yeah. <laughs> Strong genes those men have. Strong genes. Apparently, yeah. But there's a little light at the end of the tunnel because one of their teachers is out mm-hmm. and they have to get a substitute. They do. And they get Miss Divine. Not that divine, but yes. yes. Well, they never give us the first name, so that's all we got to go on. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> uh, she's played by Cleopatra Coleman, mm-hmm. who if you're like us and went to see Infinity Pool, you'll recognize her from that. She plays the wife in Infinity Pool. Oh, yes. Sally doesn't get to do too much in that film. That's right. So that's it was right. cool to see her have a bigger role in something else. You know, I forgot she was in that. And she's a wonderful actress. Good catch. Uh, yeah, she was also in that Last Man on Earth series. Which I dug I the first couple of seasons, but then it went, it got really annoying quick. But she was good on it. Um, but Miss um, Divine is awesome. Yep. She's a substitute, just making her way and just trying to become a good teacher one day. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's putting up Halloween decorations mm-hmm. because she's awesome. And uh, like she's putting them up, and she turns around, and Peter's still sitting in the class. All the other kids are out to recess. And she's like, Don't you want to go play? She's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> so she's like, okay, you can stay here. Help me put up Halloween decorations, blah, blah, blah. But as he's sitting at his desk, a spider crawls out. Mm-hmm. And you, Dustin, probably sympathize with his reaction. Because yes. he gets up and freaks the fuck out. I, too, would get up and freak the fuck out. <laughs> but Miss Divine shows him how to safely handle a spider. And they take it to the window and let it go. Mm-hmm. Because she's awesome. Yeah, you know, maybe if I had that when I was a kid, I wouldn't still be... <laughs> you needed a Miss Divine when <laughs> yes. you were a kid. <laughs> so did we all. Yeah, so Miss Divine gets in his head that he should go trick-or-treating. Mm-hmm. So he's asking his parents about it that night. It, it's sad, too, because the way it comes up is he's like, I was thinking about my costume. Yeah. And they're like, why do you need a costume? Right, right. He's like, I want to go trick-or-treating. All the other kids are doing it. And they obviously don't approve. Mm-hmm. And we, we get one of the most iconic uh, sort of like Halloween plot tropes. Oh, yeah. Which they, there's a there's a secret, there's a legend. It's like an urban legend. Yeah, almost. a little urban legend in this town. That a few years ago, a young girl went out trick-or-treating and she vanished, never came home. Yep. And they don't celebrate Halloween. It's one of the reasons. They said it was someone that lived in their neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So it's really hit that area hard. Yep. Which, yeah. That may give some credence to the disrepair of all the houses in this neighborhood. It's almost like an Elm Street situation, maybe. Yeah. Uh, and Peter, something interesting here that's very much kid thought, but Peter asks if he's going to disappear. Mm, yeah. And you know, his parents are like, never, no, you'll never disappear. <laughs> they would never let that happen. Never. So that night, Peter's sleeping. He's got a flashlight. He hasn't aimed at the wall that was making all the noises. Yep, just to make sure nothing happens. Mm-hmm. There's a little moment where we see him kind of falling asleep, and we see like the wall sort of get sucked in for a second, mm-hmm. like a little portion of it, and then right back out. I was getting Freddy vibes here. Oh yeah, yeah. like when he, he pushes through. Yeah. yeah, and I took this as being like he's dreaming this. It's interesting because later there's a full-on dream sequence. Yes, that they kind of go into without any announcement. Yeah, but I don't know because it doesn't really pertain to anything in the future it doesn't really mm-hmm. yeah I think I think it was him dreaming anyway um, but he starts hearing a girl's voice from the other side of the wall yeah 
And she calls out to him. Saying, help me. Calls, calls him by his name mm-hmm. and help me. She knows his name. Mm-hmm. And we learned that her name is Sarah. Eventually. And she is voiced by... God damn, how long did they bury her thing? She is voiced by Olivia Sussman. Mm-hmm. At least for now. Good voice work. <laughs> uh, it's always hard to, especially in a live action film, to then portray a character without being there at all. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I think back to um, Who's With Me that we covered, you know, that had the, yeah. the, the woman that was on the, the other side of the see. wall that we all never right. see. Um, so the voice acting here was really good, I thought, to actually like convey personality. Yeah, like you're seeing the image of the person in your head, even though you've never seen the person. Mm-hmm. Uh, so his dad, Mark barges in and he's like checking the wall. Uh, he says it's rats. Yep. Rats making noises. And the next morning in the shed outside, he has Peter go pick up the bag of rat poison. That's just, just sitting there open on the shelf as you do. Like you do. <laughs> and he says it smells like cinnamon. Mm-hmm. And his dad says to be careful because not everything is as sweet as it seems. So they're laying the rat poison. Yes. Along the walls, and I don't think Peter quite gets what this is going to do. Well, he asks about it. Yeah, yeah. You know, he inquires, like, so what happens once they take this? Yeah. And Mark's like, you know, they're going to die. And he seems kind of sad about that. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a nice kid. He doesn't want to hurt anything. Uh, and Mark says that they can't have rats because right. they, they bite and spread disease. And sometimes you have to make tough decisions to protect your family. Yep, just laying those breadcrumbs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And again, at school, Miss Divine is wearing this huge wit hat, witch hat and mm-hmm. reading The Raven to the kids because she's awesome. Like you do. <laughs> Gotta have a classroom scene with some literature. Yeah. And she sees Peter. He's painting this really bleak picture. Well, yeah, because that's the, the goal of this, I guess, is that she's reading them stories and she wants them all to make like a spooky picture. Yeah, they're drawing monsters and stuff for Halloween. But he's drawing like... This kid in bed surrounded by blackness and there's like a word balloon that if you look is not coming from the kid. No, it's coming from the wall. Yeah, that says help me. And this concerns Miss Devine. Yes. So she goes to his house to check <laughs> on him. And uh, greeted by his mom, Carol, we learned that she used to be a teacher before she became a mother, mm-hmm. she says. Had a higher calling. Uh-huh. And Miss Devine shows her the picture. And uh, she, the mom's like, it's just an overactive imagination. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, she approaches Peter about it and everything. Like, why'd you draw this? Why are you asking for help? <laughs> and he says, I'm not the one asking for help. But then he just has to say, yeah, I was just, it's just a drawing. It's just a monster. It's blah, blah, blah. It's nothing. It doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. But that night, again... The like voices continue. Yep. Says uh, She says, it looks like you need a friend. And he says, okay, well, yeah, we could talk. And this this is where she starts dropping the info, right? Not quite, Not quite yet. here, no. They it, progress a little. Yeah, because we get they, another yeah. school scene with the bully. Because uh, the bully, his name's Brian. Uh, I think he's getting jealous because Miss Devine's paying too much attention yeah. to Peter. Well, they're making pumpkins. Yeah, they're like drawing faces, painting on the pumpkins. And, and she, like she she is a good teacher, but she makes one mistake in this moment. In front of everyone, she kind of leans in to uh, to our guy here and says, Yours is my favorite. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Brian noticed this. Yes. 
See, I think Brian just wants the attention from Mr. Pine. You know what I'm saying? I would be jealous too. Well, most most bullies do want attention, and that's <laughs> right, where it stems right. from. I do not condone Brian's actions, but I can understand him wanting more attention from Mr. Pine. <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> so, uh, when he's leaving school, Brian the bully pushes him and stomps his pumpkin, whose name is Hector, by the way. Yeah. I'm going to say, I... I... <sighs> It's, this is a very nitpicky thing, but I, I did not like this pumpkin break. Okay. Like, when it hits the ground, it, like, splits perfectly in half. Mm-hmm. And it, it seemed weird. Okay. It's... Symmetrical mistakes can sometimes happen, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that odd. <laughs> but this also reminds me of the scene in Halloween. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. The boogeyman's going to come get you. Especially if they have the chain link fence yeah. that runs along. Right, right. Yeah. So that night, Peter's crying in bed. Uh, the girl's asking him why he's crying, if someone hurt him. And uh, he says that, you know, Brian shoved him and he bullies him every day. And the voice, the girl tells him that he is strong enough to stand up for himself if he tries. Mm-hmm. He just needs to push back. Yeah, yeah. So then we're back at school and uh, Brian's mother is there, like pushing Brian in. He's got a new pumpkin. Mm-hmm. That's not nearly as well drawn as the first one. <laughs> uh, to give to Peter, and you know, Brian is made to say, "I'm sorry." Obviously, it doesn't mean it. And we get more of the voiceover from the girl's speech from before. Yeah, uh, talking about how you got to show him you're not afraid. You got to instill fear in them. Yeah, make him afraid of you. So then there's that scene where you see Brian and his friend going down the hallway, and then Peter's following them. Which you, that's very Halloween esque. It too, is like it the stalking. Is. It also, for some reason, reminded me of the Exorcist Three. That you know, that famous hallway scene. Oh, yeah. I don't know why. It's completely different, but maybe the framing. But then we hear a kid scream, and Brian's laying at the bottom of the steps, his leg broken. Yeah. And then it hard cuts to uh, him and the, uh, the 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 parents are in the office talking about what happened. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we also see that the name of the school is Holden Field here. Mm-hmm. Which I'm is, sure that was a Haddonfield yeah, reference. Yeah, very close to Haddonfield. <laughs> so Peter is expelled. Yeah. Which I find a bit extreme. What do you think? What's your stance on that? Well, hmm. You know, I don't know. Mm. It could always be worse. Neither of us have children. So. He, uh, <laughs> he, he could have you know, pushed him off a cliff and then shot him with a... <laughs> a slingshot's made a, of Christ. A crucifix slingshot. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> I mean, he didn't do that. Uh, so, so he's expelled, and the parents are scolding him, saying they don't solve problems. We should say, despite all the kind of retro feel, this is a modern-day film. It is. And so I, I know in our modern world, we're all way more sensitive about everything. True, true. So, so maybe did, yeah. that is enough to get you expelled. That, that makes sense. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Even but, if there is that logic of like, oh, he was bullying him, and yeah. then he, he snapped. And they, 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 they always overlook it, of yeah. course. Um, yeah, so they're saying they don't solve the problems with violence. And Carol tells Mark about the drawing, which Mark did not know about at this point. Yeah, she was keeping it from him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She knew he would be mad. And he's yelling at Peter, and Peter says that he's, he really heard the girl. It yep. really happened. It's not his imagination. And Mark tells him that he's grounded, and he's going into the basement. Well, it's funny because he says you're grounded, and then the mom's like, okay, go to your room. Yeah, and he's like, nope, <laughs> to the basement. And then Mark fucking moves the refrigerator, and there's a little door back there. Yep. Locked up. A little tiny door. And the mother walks up to it. She's got one of those uh, keychain things yeah. on her belt. <laughs> like a prison warden or something. Yeah. Un- unlocks it. 
and they make the kid go down there, and it's an unfinished basement. It's dark. There's cobwebs everywhere, and there's like a pallet with like pillows on it. Mm-hmm. Like it's been set up like this before. Yeah, either for him or someone else. And they leave him down there. They do indeed. And he's calling out for the girl. He's just, can you hear me? You know, I need, I need to talk to you, but he doesn't get anything. So over time, he does start to dig around a little bit. And he does find that under that sort of like the pillow, like little pallet thing that's been set up, underneath that, there's a grate. Mm-hmm. And under that grate is this big, deep pit. Yep. It's probably a good, what, 20 feet or something? Yeah. I don't, I don't know how you would have constructed that, but geez. Yeah, I mean, you know. Where there's a will, there's a way. I guess man. so, you know. Uh, Probably got uh, the stir of echoes, you know, going on. <laughs> right. And he sees like a little discarded teddy bear down there at the bottom, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so the next day, Miss Devine is bringing Peter's last math quiz. Well, it's more than that, though, because she, she still thinks something's up. Yeah, she got kind of chewed out by the principal saying, hey... You can't go to the parents' house like that. You didn't have calls, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And she says that the mother was kind of strange, and he tells her about the whole disappearance of the girl yeah. and stuff like that. And so she, she wants to, like, orchestrate a reason to come back to the house a final time. Yeah. So yeah. she uses this last test as a excuse. Right. And we also see her writing her home uh, her phone number. Yeah, at the top the, of the sheet. Yeah. Little little clever setup there. Yeah, which which normally I think a teacher would be, you know, maybe you don't want them doing that. You know, <laughs> that's not the sort of thing that, you know, it's kind of frowned upon. But in this case, I think it's all right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Carol's trying to get rid of her, but Mark comes to the door and says, hey, come inside. <laughs> and I have some tea or something. And he just conveniently is toting a hammer around. He's toting a hammer around, yep. And he's bleeding. And he's bleeding. <laughs> and he says, oh, I'm just doing some, you know, refurbishing. There was a loose nail. Blah, it's blah, it's blah. a pretty gnarly wound, though. Yeah, so. it is. Yeah, it is dripping everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, oh, at the same time, the washing machine's been going here. Mm-hmm. We can't hear it. It's very loud. And we cut to Peter downstairs. He's hearing some voices. And they're telling Mr. Vine that Peter's going to be homeschooled from now on. Yep. He's got the best teacher in the world, his mom. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Divine asks where Peter is until he's grounded in his room. And Carol gets upset at the suggestion that she would give up on her child. Mm-hmm. You know, that she's going to homeschool the kid. She's not going to give up on him, send him to some sort of a... Because Miss Divine says maybe he needs, like, you know, a, a special place to go to. Yeah. And she takes offense at this. like Deep offense. Big time. And she's like, what kind of a mother would do that to their kid? Would abandon their kid? Give up on them? Homelander has to calm her down and everything. <laughs> uh, so Peter's like, starts kicking at the door and stuff. But the washing machine's going. So Miss Devine can't really hear. And uh, there's a nice little jump scare at the end, I thought. Where she's in her car, she realizes her keys are missing. Well, there's right before that, though, they're ushering her out the front door, and the washing machine stops. Yeah, yeah. And she hears him banging down there. Yeah, she's, what's that noise? And he has to, uh, he kind of like BSs her until it kicks back on. Yeah. And, it, he, and he's like, see, it's just the washing machine. Yeah, he says the washing machine when it's not even going. <laughs> but it's in that, that Homelander way that's like, he, he's lying to you, but you kind of believe it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, he's lying. 
he knows he's lying. You kind of know he's lying, but still somehow. Yeah, what are you going to do about it? Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> so the Marl makes some cupcakes, takes them down to Peter, says it's okay to come up now. All is forgiven. Yeah. So like while he's getting bathed, which I thought was a little weird. <laughs> Kids eight, right? Yeah, she's got a little bit of the helicopter mom yeah, thing yeah, going yeah. on. Uh, he's telling them what they want to hear. You know, he's learned his lesson. He's not going to be hearing noises, voices, and shit like that anymore. Yeah. It's, like they said, an overactive imagination. Yep, yep, yep. Battery gets tucked in. His kids leave him. He goes right to the wall. And, you know, asking. Yeah, this is where we start getting the uh, yeah. the plot drop. Yeah. Because the girl says that his parents are not what they seem. Mm-hmm. And he needs to be careful. He says that he wants to see her. But she says no. Because she's been there too long and he wouldn't like the look of her. Mm-hmm. He'd see, he says that you'd scream and then we'd get caught. But he says he won't scream. And she says, okay, look down at the floor. You know, pull the wallpaper back. back there's a little bit a little of a hole yeah, we, there. We learned she's like worked a hole through the wall. Yeah, yeah. But it's about an arm-sized hole, I would say. Yeah, yeah. And he even like tosses a ball in there. Um, and then like this pair of blue eyes comes down in the frame. And mm-hmm. It kind of startles him. And this is where we get the name Sarah. And we mm-hmm. learned that she is his older sister. Yep. And she's been waiting for him to get old enough to help her escape. Yes. Because she's been imprisoned. She needs him to move the big grandfather clock that's in the parents' room. Because mm-hmm. she is has been holed up behind that. Yep. All his life. Because he doesn't know about her. <laughs> yeah. And she says that um, Halloween was the day that they imprisoned her. And she connects it back to that story of the missing girl, and she is the missing girl. Um. Oh no, no, no! She's not the missing girl. It was what? It was a trick or treater, right? That they killed. Yeah, just because um, she was asking for help from the trick or treater, yeah. and the parents called her doing that, so they killed the trick or treater. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And then because she saw that they killed her. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And then we get that cool dream sequence too. Yeah, this is where the dream sequence happens. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna go on a limb and say, best part of the film. Okay. I like this dream sequence. It's very effective. Uh-huh. It, it's weird too because they don't announce that it's a dream, mm-hmm. and kind of the first hint you get that something's weird is there's like a a shot from above looking down on him in the bed. Yeah. And he has this like bare little like, like rug, rug yeah. by the bed. And it's just spinning yeah. in circles. Yeah. So you automatically know something's not right here. Right, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, he like sees his dad in the corner. And he's like blinking and chomping his teeth. And there's this loud ratcheting type sound. Mm-hmm. And sees his mom. And that, that very Salem's Lot imagery here to me. Uh, the she, glowing eyes and the pale She made face. me think of um, Coraline, the like yeah. other mother. I can see that yeah. too. I can see that too. But they do this really effective thing where she's like running down the hall toward him. Yeah, she runs toward him and it goes black. But you still hear her footfalls yeah, yeah, yeah. getting closer. But she's not coming out of the darkness. And it waits a couple of beats, the perfect amount of beats. Mm-hmm. And then she jumps out. Very um, James Wanny, I'm going to say. But better. <laughs> Step off, fool. No way. <laughs> Derivative, uh, maybe. <laughs> so the key, he's waking up and his mom's holding him and he lies and says he can't remember what he was dreaming about 
Um, and then that night, yep, Peter's sister continue. is telling him that she clawed and scra- uh, scraped her way to his room. And they're getting tired of her and they're going to kill her soon. Mm-hmm. And she says that when that happens, they're going to put him behind the wall. Right, because he's already fucked up too yeah, much. Yeah, he's been acting up too much and they don't want to deal with him. So he's going to go behind the wall. That's what they do. That's what she knows. Yeah. But uh, he says he doesn't believe her, but she says, hey, they've already killed, and I can prove it. Yeah, he tells him, she tells him to go check the old uh, pumpkin patch yeah, there's in the backyard. Yeah, something buried out there. Yeah. And the next morning we see him digging out there, and we see a shot of Carol. She's, like, moving the clock back in place, mm-hmm. and she's carrying this pitcher. Yeah. Whilst he's digging out back, and he hits <laughs> something, and it turns out that it's a human skull. Which I'm just going to say, uh, not buried very deep. Not buried very deep, no. <laughs> You're right. Maybe it was really cold Halloween and then the ground was frozen. Yeah, but it's, it's been out there for forever, dude. Take care of your shit. <laughs> Maybe there's been erosion. You Do know. you think the guy in Trick or Treat doesn't bury his body deep? <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> uh, so his mom sees him digging out there from his window. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, shit. So she runs out there, and he just turns around with the pumpkin, saying, hey, I know I can't trick-or-treat, but maybe we can carve this. It's a clever fucking kid, because that's such a good excuse. It's very good. But the mom has this look. She ain't really buying it. No. It's too uh, coincidental. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is actually where we get the backstory about her, about uh, the, the trick-or-treater being killed by the parents. Mm-hmm. Um. And um, Peter tells his sister that they're going to get away. It's going to be okay. So he creeps into his parents' room to call Miss Devine. Yep. That's the obvious thing is he has the paper now. He has Mm -hmm. her number. Yep. He needs a responsible adult, which is technically the right thing to do. It is. (sighs) But his mother catches him. (laughs) And Miss Devine calls right back. And pretty quickly, Carol has a pretty good lie that Peter's just been missing her and went and wanted to call. But he was he, embarrassed. He's too shy. Yeah. yeah. Which I could totally relate to because that would have been me <laughs> around that age. <laughs> so, yeah, that scans. That scans. <laughs> so she's taking him back to his room and he's clumsily trying to hide the hole, just draws attention to it. She sees it. Yeah. And begins to freak the fuck out. She's like saying no, no, no over and over again. She's kind of like walking along the wall and like, you know, patting it mm-hmm. and, and thumping it and stuff like that. Very psychotic. Yeah. And just says, wait till your dad gets home. And the second she's out of the picture, Sarah chimes in and she's like, oh, this is it. If you don't do something, they're going to kill you. Yeah. She says, she says, I heard them plotting and they're going to kill you. And he sneaks down the steps and there's that great shot of them in the kitchen and their shadow is cast over him, and they're yeah. huge and looming and intimidating and horrifying, like you know, parents can be when you're a kid. And they notice him looking, and he runs up to his, his room, and his dad comes up there and says, I know you're awake, and tomorrow you're going to help me out in the garden. Yep. There's some stuff we got to take care of. Yep, yep, yep. So in the morning, we see a great big hole where the skull was. No body, no skull, nothing. Hey, man, no body, no case. That's what I say. <laughs> and uh, Mark's telling him that, you know, there's this blight on the pumpkins. Yep, and they got to dig them all up because that's the only way to fix it. Yep, they have to uh, bury the pumpkins and hope that the next crop is better. <laughs> Which gets a little weirdly metaphorical. A little subtext there yeah. for you, yeah. 
Uh, and then we see a van. It's kind of a sketchy looking van pull up in front of the house. Yeah. And there's these kids in there. Well, teenagers, older kids. And, uh... Fucking Brian, man. Yeah, they were fucking Brian. They're his older cousins. And they're like, is this the house? They're like, yeah, that's it. I'm like, all right. See, when I saw that van, I thought it was going to be like CPC or something. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting. They'll have another layer of like trying to dupe mm. the authorities. Nope, nope. Brian and his shitty-ass cousins yeah. want some payback. So that night, the family's having dinner. They're eating some god-awful-looking brown soup. I don't know what the fuck this is supposed okay. to be. So I looked up multiple synopsi. Okay. And they all said this is soup. Yeah. Tiffany said oatmeal. I said gruel. <laughs> Porridge. <laughs> Porridge. That fits in with the fairy tale motif. That yeah. becomes more apparent quickly. Sure. <laughs> um, no no real person would eat this, is what I'm going to say. Dude, I don't know, man. I know some people <laughs> that eat some pretty rank shit. It's like I had, I had a friend who said, oh, I'm going to make some chili this night. We were going over there for a game. I'm like, I'm like chili, and I love chili. I'm like, great, awesome, sounds perfect. And it wasn't much far off from what we see in this movie. It was this brown, liquidy, diarrhea-looking shit. And I'm like, motherfucker, this is not chili. Hey, man, it goes in, it comes out the same. It was gross. Whatever. But it should taste good going down. <laughs> and look good. So okay. anyway, they're eating this shit. And there's a knock at the door, and it's trick-or-treaters. Carol's like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, because... Uh, Mark is like totally calm and he just goes, it's the porch light off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's telling, uh, tellingly, he's he's telling Peter to not play with his food and eat. Mm-mm. Meanwhile, they're chowing down. And, and Mark's like, did you do something different with the soup? And it's funny because it Carol is like so aggressively eating this. Yeah. Because she's like so frayed mentally. Yeah. But he also, there's that great moment that we can all relate to where he says, oh, it's really good. It just tastes different. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying it's bad. <laughs> but yeah, they're eating it, trying to decide what, what tastes different about it. And... Well, Carol finally decides to smell it. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's like, it tastes like cinnamon. And perfectly acted moment from Anthony Starr yes. here. Yes. Where his face, he just realizes... He looks to the bowl that the kid has. Which is full. <laughs> and he looks to his bowl, which is like half down. Mostly gone, yeah. And then he looks to Carol's, and hers is mostly gone. <laughs> and it's that dawning realization. Of course, we've been waiting for this. Mm-hmm. You know, it's Chekhov's rat poison. Right. We knew that was coming. We knew it coming into play somehow. But I, I like how it came into play. I love the fact that Mark instantly knows what's happening. You know, so he's grabbing Peter by the scruff. You know, what did you do something? What did you do? <laughs> um, and Peter says, it's because you hurt my sister. And they just have this look of shock on their faces. Yeah. And Mark's saying, call 911. But the phone cord's cut. Yeah, he pre-cut it. Yep. And Mark just starts spewing this black bile all over the place. Tells Carol to call 911. And just bang, drop, drops to the floor. Looks pretty fucking dead. So Carol grabs a knife and is running after Peter, who's running upstairs. Um, and she begins throwing up too. But she's still coming at him, but he gives her a good kick and she falls back down the steps. Yeah, he's real good with stairs. That's like his method of taking care of people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, stairs are helpful. But in her dying breath, she calls out to him and says that you don't quite understand the situation and whatever you do, don't let her out. Don't let her out. 
Yep. Because he has to go down there and get the keys off her belt. Yep. And then she dies. So he goes into the parents' room, and he hears his sister speaking to him behind the clock. Uh, he moves it. It tips over. crashes. I mean, what does it matter at this point? No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, he unlocks a small door behind it. And kind of gets a little scared at this point and backs up. Right, because it opens into this darkness, the the space between the walls. Yeah, and we hear this raspy breathing and these like pinpoint eyes coming from out of the darkness. And did the breathing remind you of anything? Off the top of my head, no. It reminded me a lot of uh, Matter Suspiriorum oh. from Suspiria, the sound she makes. That <laughs> wheezing kind of shit. Hmm. That's where my mind went immediately. Um, so there's kind of a harsh, evil laugh, too. Yeah, and uh, immediately. Pe- yeah, and Peter runs back out of the room, and we see this like gnarled hand come out, and there's like some webbing that goes through and all this stuff. And then we see like a trail of dirty gray hair, and we hear this horseful, this horse voice, which is completely unlike the youthful one we heard before. Yep, even different uh, voice actor for this, too. It's... uh. God damn it. It's, uh, the, the, this monstrous voice is done by Deborah Wilson. Great job. Mm-hmm. I, I think it was really good voice work here. It's a little... Hmm. How do I say this Arch. E- economically? It's very... It felt very like uh, new Exorcist film trailer. Oh, hard disagree. <laughs> hard disagree. That is obviously like some pitch shifting in a fucking computer this is the person's actual voice i'm pretty sure it Mm. is i'd be shocked if it wasn't (laughs) i think we got some mercedes mccambridge stuff happening with this performance Mm. jury's out on that Mm. no this this sounds real to me it does not sound like it's been obviously manipulated uh but she's asking like how it felt to watch your parents die yeah and he's shut his door she's trying to get in and then the doorbell rings and you, know, you think it's trick-or-treaters. And she even says something like how it's just like that night on Halloween. Mm-hmm. And you hear her scamper off. And outside is Brian. And before she leaves, isn't that when she kind of drops her whole like story of what was going on? That she like hates him? And... No, it's later. Yeah, later? Okay. Yeah. Let's keep trying to jump ahead. Okay. That's okay. Uh, so like, the boys are out there. They're all wearing like some animal masks. Yeah. Maybe think of Fortress. I don't uh, think it's a direct reference, but I thought of you were next. Yeah, that too. Okay. Yeah. Um so they're yelling for, you know, Peter to come out. They're mm-hmm. going to stomp his ass. <laughs> I like this part a lot cuz the door just slowly opens and one of the guy says, "Are they fucking with us?" <laughs> <laughs> so they go in calling for Peter. Uh, Peter's hung under his bed, and they're going in the house, and they're looking around and trashing the place. Trashing the place, they're smashing it. And I'm like, what's what's the end goal here for this situation? Like, they're a bunch of dumb fucking kids. That I, <laughs> growing up, I knew these kids. I know these people. This scans for me. Maybe going into the house and wrecking it is a little much, but not by not by a lot. In the 80s, maybe, but not by a lot. In modern day, I don't know, man. I can see it. Hmm. The funniest part, though, is that um, Brian enters as well. He's got crutches. Yeah. 
And this big monkey mask <laughs> on. Looks kind of like the, the monkey mask of the symbol monkey. Mm-hmm. Monkey big, shines. Yeah, big wide eyes and shit. Uh, yeah, so they're looking in the kitchen. The bodies are gone, but there's still that big mess, of course. And they're like, what the fuck's going on? And yeah, Brian slips and falls. And he catches one of his crutches in like a blood pile. And it... Phew. Yep. And this is where he realizes he's a boozy because he, <laughs> he, he's like screaming and we see those chompers, man. Yeah. This this was the moment where I was like, oh, shit. And okay. he looks just like a little Jake Busey. He yeah. really does. <laughs> it's weird. So the kid in the cat mask is up there fucking with Peter, trying to grab him. Well, he does this fake out because Peter's under the bed. Mm-hmm. And he's like at the bed. Makes it seem like he's gone away. Then, like, crouches down and finds him and drags him out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And downstairs, the guy in the pig mask, he's, like, seeing this tangled long hair with spiders in it, like, on the piano. He's the one, shit. yeah, he's trashing the piano. Yeah, and yeah. He, get, he gets done, and he turns to leave, and then the piano starts to play itself. Right, and we see the hair on it, and he's like, what the fuck? He steps close to it, and then he's immediately dragged under, and there's just, like, a gallon of blood that mm-hmm. just spurts out all over the place. Um, Brian, the busy kid, he sees Carol's body stuffed in the cabinet beneath the stairs. It gets Friday. It's, it's all Friday the 13th all of a sudden. <laughs> We're finding bodies being hidden. Um, he hears a thudding sound and suddenly the guy in the bunny mask is getting thrown around by something off screen. Um, and we, we see Peter's sister basically running around on the walls and shit at this point. She's kind of like a blur. It's hard to get a shadow. We can't really see her. Yeah, they're trying to uh, tease out that reveal. Mm-hmm. And uh, she decapitates one of the other kids. And then she crawls up on the Peter's bed. And this is where we get the story. Because mm. we see her sitting up on the bed. She has like the jack-o'-lantern mm, in her hand. Yeah. And she's saying that... She tells Peter that when he was born, their parents were so happy, but when she was born, they screamed. She said daddy made her a pit and then a cage. She said she learned how to climb and how to bite while she was in the walls with the rats and cobwebs. And learning how to make Peter do what she wants. Yep, so she could manipulate him. Mm -hmm. And she puts the jack-o'-lantern down on the ground so he could see it and the dude's head's inside of it. Meanwhile... Miss Divine arrives. Okay. But I want to talk about Miss Divine's trip there. Okay. Because she, she decides to go back. Because she's like, <laughs> well, that's real suspicious. The right. whole like phone call exchange we had. Right. And even though her uh, superior told her not to get any further involved, she's like, I, I just got to go back. Yep. And just see him and know he's okay. Right. It's pretty obvious that there's something fucked up with this family. Yeah. Um. So she's in her car. Oop, she's driving. She's mm-hmm. making her way there. And they throw in this scene that's just like... It's it's a random street with like nothing much going on, but then randomly there's two or three trick or treaters, and one is just like standing in the middle of the road, <laughs> right? And she stops, and she has to stop, and then it just like cuts from that, and the kid's just like staring at her, and yeah. she's like, "Go!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's okay, weird. It's weird. All right, <laughs> I mean, it's just a quick little scene. <laughs> I guess is it sticking your crawl that much? Was it necessary? I guess is my question. Uh, I think it's supposed to add some tension because she's trying to get there and she's being stopped by this stupid girl who won't move out of the way of a fucking car. I mean, it's a fucking road, dude. You can drive around her. 
All right. <laughs> so Mr. Vine uh, gets to the house. Doors open, places a mess, of course, because mm-hmm. people have been killed there. It's very um, final act of scream, in a way. How so? When, when they rock up on the house and like half the people are already dead. I guess so. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah. You could probably say that about any handful of horror films. But, like, well, well, I mean, I didn't get scream vibes. Well, there's, there's a lot in this film you can say is from other films, so. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. Fair <laughs> enough. Uh... But but uh, Sarah jumps her. Sarah jumps her, cuts her, door. cuts her leg with her nails. Uh, we see the rabbit dude was sort of eviscerated. And uh, she tries to leave, but the door is locked, shut and locked. And she hears Peter yelling upstairs for her to run. So she goes up there to find him. And she gets to his room. He's behind the wall. She shuts the door before the sister can get in there. kind of blocks it. Um... But then we see the sister going through the little door behind the clock. Mm-hmm. Which they know can snake around. Yeah. So then she starts hacking through the wall, <laughs> grabs the kid out. Um, he grabs the keys that were still on that small door. Oh, pause here, though. Yeah. This is one of the things I really wanted to grill you about. Sure. She was trapped in the wall all this time. And it was easy for Miss Divine to smash through it. Yeah. Okay. Um <laughs> I thought the same thing. There yeah. are things in this movie that stick in my crawl. I'm not mm-hmm. going to lie. It's not a perfect film. Um, that was one of them. Mm-hmm. I thought, well, maybe the sister doesn't want to just break out. Mm-hmm. Maybe she wants to torment this family. You know. Then there's also the question of leverage. If you're in a little enclosed space, you may not be able to get the leverage to actually break through something like that. Those are my rationales. Okay. Um, so they're going to run outside. Yep. Miss Divine makes it. They're on their final escape. But she looks back and, oh, nope. Sarah has Peter by the hair, pulls him back in, shuts the door. And Peter's now in the pit. Yeah, she takes him down and throws him down in the pit. And he's like cuddling the teddy bear. And we see that's where we get the name Sarah. It's written on the tag on, on the bear. And this is her final kind of plot dump, I guess, right? Yeah, because yeah. she crawls down in their pit with him. And her hair is trailing down, very much like a reverse Rapunzel. Mm-hmm. And he asks, why are you doing this? And she says, not everyone can be perfect like you. Yep. Uh, she was born this way and no one loves a monster. And this is where we get a first decent look at her face. And she's got like these huge wide eyes mm-hmm. and this big shark-like mouth. It's very, uh, I'm going to say creepypasta. If you, if you know any of the creepypasta tile type uh, characters. Sure, kind of like a Momo type thing. Yeah, like Momo that. or the Rake or any of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ted the Carver. Mm-hmm. Like, wait, yeah. Is that right? Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Jeff the Carver. Jeff. Jeff. I don't know. It's Jeff. Most of Ted, those... Ted the Caver is what I'm thinking. Most you know. of those are bad. That's what I'm going to say. Um, they are. So. I, would argue, <laughs> I would argue this is not bad, but that's fine. Um, so Mr. Vine's calling for Peter... And Sarah quickly crawls out and is attacking Miss Divine. Um, but as she's doing so, Sarah's long hair is falling down into the pit. Yeah, it trails down. Yep. And enforcing the whole fairy tale motif, Peter grabs it and is climbing up it. Which gives out. just enough leverage to save Miss Divine. Yeah, and she's like whacking Sarah with the poker and shit like that. Yeah. And Sarah falls back down into the... Uh-oh. A little bit of mic trouble. There we go. Um, Sarah falls back down to the pit and then they slam the grate on her and, and then we get our, a very curious ending I think 
which I really liked. Because Sarah's saying... She starts into this speech. She's like, do you really think you're going to keep me locked down here? Yeah. And she goes into this speech, and as she's talking, it kind of gives us like a montage. And it's not really clear whether this is what's happening, or it's kind of just like an imagined version of like what right. it will be. a representation of what um, she's talking But about. she says, you know, it doesn't matter what you do, where you go. Eventually, I'm going to find a way to get out. Mm-hmm. And even if you're living a happy life, I'm going to find you. And one day, when you're sleeping alone in the bedroom... I'm going to be there and I'm going to be right behind you and we're going to finish this. And kind of the visuals we're getting is it looks like Miss Divine has adopted him and yeah. he's sort of living with her. Right. And that last little shot is of um, Sarah kind of appearing behind him at yeah. night. But it was more of a like, you know, every, every creak you hear, you know, every mm-hmm. tap at the window from a tree branch, you're going to think it's me. You know, I'm, I'm always going to be there with you. Mm-hmm. So I saw it as more of a metaphorical, not like I'm actually going to be there, mm-hmm. but like my memory, you know, what I've done to you is going to forever haunt and scar you. Could be. Which is part of the whole, you know, systemic abuse that's going on here, passed down from mother to child, sibling to sibling. That's what I got out of it. But that is the end. That is the end. That's how it ends. Indeed. So, let me hit some other stuff I got about this film. Okay. Um, oh, just about Bowden a little bit. Um, I noticed he directed a Batman fan film. Did oh, you really? see about this? I didn't look at that. Uh, Ashes to Ashes in 2009. Oh, yeah, I did see that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I remember when that was being promoted, but I never watched it. Because I'm, I'm kind of iffy on a lot of fan films, like... I've seen a few that I really loved, and then I've seen other ones where I'm just kind of like, Ugh. Well, for every good one, there's a yeah. dozen horrible ones. So I, I don't often go seek those out without a reason. So yeah. I, I was wondering if you had maybe seen it I to not, speak no. of it. I'm also not like a huge Batman fan, so it's not something I would really gravitate toward. Let's see. Um, we talked about the weird marketing. Mm-hmm. They, they sent it out to die against Barbenheimer. Uh so I sourced this from an IMDb thing, so I'm not sure how valid this is. Uh-huh. And I thought maybe we could even talk about it. Um, it has been suggested by some people, is how I'll phrase this. Mm-hmm. Um, the film is loosely inspired by Edgar Allan Poe's The Telltale Heart. Because of the tapping noises? Um, I guess for the idea that there's sort of a secret that is underneath and the yeah. tapping noises. I, I thought that was no. a huge stretch. And I was like, if, if we're just citing Poe stuff like Cask of Amontillado... Yeah. Is almost more relevant. That's for, incidental. The, yeah. Those are two completely thematically different uh, things. I couldn't source that to anyone from the production, so no. I think that's just someone projecting. Yeah, that's someone. Yeah. <laughs> and there is, they do read Poe in the film, so sure. I, maybe that's where they're trying to reach for that. But No, I don't, I don't see no. that. Um, oh, I noticed a goof in the film. I don't normally talk about goofs because I don't really care, but mm-hmm. I thought this one was funny. Um, it's when the kids are kind of trashing the house. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a scene where you see and one of them has like a cut on their chin mm-hmm. and it's just there. It's never been there before. And then in the following scene is when Sarah attacks them and they get that cut on the chin. Oh, okay. A little continuity, <laughs> so a little, error. A little continuity error. Yeah. Um, that happen. I laughed at it. Okay. I actually rewound to make sure that what I had seen was what it was. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess there was a little shake up there and when they were plotting out that part. But that, that's all. It's a new film, so there's not a lot of like. Right, there's you know, no like in depth and, and treatises written about yeah. it or anything, no. But I'm, I think you've got one that you're going to give me now. 
Um, <laughs> do you want me to go first? It's obviously yeah. I liked it. I picked the fucking thing. Um, should I? Should I go first? Go first. Go for it. We're getting on a positive. That way note. I can rebut you. Okay. Sure. 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 Um, I had a lot of hangups with this film. Obviously, a lot, a lot of, I knew you would. Issues, yeah. I, I was almost one hundred percent certain you would. So, where to start? I, I'm just gonna. I kind of wrote down some thoughts to help guide me, so I don't okay. rant okay. too much. Yeah. Um, so I felt like it is. It is set on and around Halloween, and there are a lot of elements that kind of give you that Halloweeny vibe. Like you see mm-hmm. people trick or treat, but then I don't know. It's like it didn't have that feeling. Like it didn't feel like a like yeah. You wouldn't call it like a hocus pocus or like like a Halloween or I don't know. Okay. Sure. I was feeling the light on that flavor, even okay. though it was kind of like pushed at the start. Like that was part of the hook. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. That's okay. That's neither here nor there really. Um, thought a lot of the acting was great and super on point. Mm-hmm. Everybody mm-hmm. did a great job. Um, Cleopatra Coleman was really awesome as Miss Divine. Yep. Uh, and again, like I said, I loved her in infinity pool, but she's just there for a second. And then it's Mia goth world. Which isn't a complaint. It's fine. She's amazing. Um, But, you know, it's cool to see her get a moment to shine on her own. Oh, yeah. Um, Anthony Starr, amazing. Perfect. Lizzie Kaplan, no, she's a great actress. I kind of thought sometimes, and I think this was just a choice, uh, an intentional choice, and it maybe just didn't click with me the right way, but it seemed like they were, like, almost overacting at times. And going, like, Mm -hmm. like, some of the scenes, especially when it was just the two of them back and forth, it felt like suddenly we had drifted into, like, uh, a soap opera, like a Spanish telenovela, the the degree of their just like over expulsion of their words at each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I can see where that's a choice because you're trying to be like, oh, they're unhinged and they've done all this stuff now and it's like damaged their, their mental state. Right. Um, but it felt like it pushed a little too far okay. for me. Okay. Um, there's a little CGI in this film. Sure. Not a ton. Um, and I, I think it's just dreadful. I thought it looked awful. There's a little bit of CGI action with Sarah in like the final showdown, mm-hmm. particularly when they get like, he gets up out of the pit and they knock her away and she kind of like shifts around. Man, it looked really bad to me. Like, okay. geez. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't the best. It didn't pull me out. But yeah. um, okay. And you clearly had a person in makeup. Yeah, there was a contortionist and everything with that could a mask. Do the movements. And I'm like, there had to be another way you could shoot that or frame that. Or when that's your one moment where you had a little bit of CG, like how much did you really save doing yeah. that? I wonder. Yeah. Fair. Um, and then I think before I get to my conclusion, I have one last thing to talk about, which was that uh, I felt like a lot of the film was sort of like a greatest hits of other more notable horror films. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've hit, we've named several along sure. the way. Yep. Um, some other ones I want to throw out. Um, there's definitely some Exorcist vibes. She's got the crab walking thing going on for a while. Um, you could use any number of films for this, but like the um, U Ray sort of appearance of the long hair sure. covering yeah. the, covering the body. So Ringu or Juan, whichever one you want to Absolutely. fool with. Um, there's been a few more modern films that have also kind of leaned on some of those ideas. I thought of um, Lights Out, which was a big splash when it came out. Was um, it? I mean, it did gangbusters money wise for Blumhouse. Yeah, but I don't think anyone really liked it. I kind of liked it. Oh god! 
<laughs> the short was brilliant. The short's brilliant. As a big, dumb popcorn studio horror film, I like it. Okay. I mean, there's no substance to it. Right. Um, but that also has the angle of like, there's sort of like a family secret involved with like the creature that's coming at you. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, Malignant was one I definitely thought of a ton as well. Mm-hmm. Just for the whole, like you've got that backstory of like a, a secret sibling sort of situation going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a few that I can't speak to. And maybe you can even comment on this a little bit. Um, I've not seen these, but when seeing what other people thought about this film, I often saw people mention the black phone and barbarian, a lot of mention of barbarian, which I've regrettably not seen yet. So I don't know. Are there aspects to that that are embodied here? As <sighs> it well, sort of spoils or... the movie if you haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, but only superficially. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then the last one I really wanted to hit on was an all time classic. That's maybe a little overlooked people under the stairs. Mm-hmm. Yep. Nope. Um, which is, of course, the whole like imprisoning within the house yep. by not a movie I like, parents. but just definitely that influence really? here. Hmm. Yeah. When was the last time you've seen it? In the theater. Who? You should revisit. It. <laughs> Maybe. I think it, I think it's a little underrated. Maybe. I think it's actually quite good. Craven, this man, he's either like <laughs> the man or fuck. What are you doing, dude? Anyway, I like a lot of his weird standalone ones. Like I love that one. I love um, the Serpent and the Rainbow. Serpent and Rainbow's all right. Yeah, yeah, that one's all right. But then you got like Deadly Friend or Hills Have Eyes Two or I can go on. Anyway, mm-hmm. <clears throat> anyway, so I think in the ultimate picture of things, if I look at this as like a totality thing, the vibe I was getting at this felt like it was like five different sketches of a horror film that it could be, and it was trying to kind of do a little bit of all of them, but none of them really like fleshed out fully in one way or the other. Okay. Um. I felt like I had a lot of times where I was kind of like, well, that seems weird or that doesn't make sense. Not in the sense of like, they just didn't explain it for the sake of not explaining it, mm-hmm. but more of like, and I hate to use the term plot hole because I hate when people just say, well, that's a plot hole. Right. Um, but I guess I'm going to sit here and say, that, yeah, that's a plot hole. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, sometimes I don't even need answers, right? I'm David Lynch school of thought. So you can leave something vague and ambiguous and I'm cool with that. But here it was kind of like, but why though? It seemed like they should. The parents should have really obviously knew it was Sarah way early on. The clues were like so glaring and so obvious, and even the way they cast some of the lines, like when they ask him about the little picture he drew, and he just like straight up says to the mom, "Oh, I'm not saying it. It's her. Have you just forgotten about your like spider baby that's locked in the walls?" I would argue point? that they did suspect, and they were afraid of that, but they didn't have confirmation until. I mean, what, conf- what more confirmation do you out. need? Or they were just know. trying to hide it. And maybe Sarah was right. Maybe they were about to <laughs> fucking kill her. I don't know. That that seemed really just like, but why though? And then kind of the whole like backstory scenario of everything. Something about it doesn't sit right with me. I've, I've struggled all week to try to come up with the words to say like what it is. I don't like about it, but it's like, mm-hmm. so we have one story, which is the story of like, oh, the parents were abusive to her and then they murdered a kid and then hid her away Mm -hmm. because she saw. But then we learned that she was like monstrous and so that was why they hid her away. Yeah, and she was the one who killed the kid. She was the one that killed the kid. Well, that's That's the whole point. She's manipulating him, you know, and it's misdirection and stuff. But then it's like, if you're those parents and maybe this is bringing us back to talk a little more about Tin and Tina perhaps, you're just going to... I don't know. 
Well, it's like her, her, the mom said, you, you don't give up on your child. I mean, they <laughs> you could, lock them away. You know? <laughs> I mean, it clearly feels like they gave up if they threw her in the wall. <laughs> yeah, and these parents clearly have fucking issues. I just, I, I, I just don't know. Okay. Um, it's like I wrote down like a list of like thoughts at the end. I was like, why would the parents not immediately suspect that he hurt Sarah? Why did they let her live all this time? Um, why is there the scene of Divine being stopped by a fucking kid standing in the middle of the road for no reason? And then, and then a real big one is like, why was why did she never call CPC if she's this involved and this worried about it? Like early in the film, I was thinking like, is this set like in the eighties or earlier on? And maybe that's like not, you know, there's more of the like, oh, I don't want to get involved in like this family's private issues. Well, I think but... what you call like CP, that's that shit gets serious then. Mm-hmm. You know, we're talking about legality type stuff. So I think that would be like something you would be hesitant to do. I mean, after, especially after you got chewed out by your principal already. After they know. forcibly eject her from the house and don't produce the kid, I mean, that's like they didn't really forcibly eject her. They don't have, and they have no legal <laughs> compulsion to produce the kid to her. So you're saying you would defend them in a court of law? Yes. Wow. They're they're well within their <laughs> rights to do what they did in that case. Yes. I don't know, dude. <laughs> I say make the call and let it get sorted out. If there's nothing there, there's nothing there. Okay. Okay. Um, and so here's what I'll conclude on, I guess. Um, so I think it's interesting to take this film and then look back at Tin and Tina, uh, which I know you were a little flipped with me on that because you had some stuff you were kind of like, well, I don't know about this. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and I was more just like whatever, accepting of it. So, um, but you won't accept this. I get it. But, but the interesting thing, I think, is that we've got these two films – they're both first-time foreign directors making American horror feature film debut. And they're both, like, kind of utterly different in a lot of ways. Sure. Um, and looking at the two of them to kind of have any kind of frame of reference, like, with Tin and Tina, I felt like it had such a distinct vision and this thought of wanted it to be what it wanted to be. And, like, you can look at that short even and see, like, the nugget of the idea mm-hmm. and then how they blew that up into a full feature and I felt like I had a really clear vision and this distinct tone and everything was like all moving parts in the same line to do a thing. Mm-hmm. Now, whether you like that thing they did or not, that's neither here nor there, but I liked it. And with this movie, I just felt like it was so scattershot. It was just like, here's everything that's been popular in horror for the last 10 years, and we're going to do it all at once. It kind of had that um, made-by-committee vibe to me. Okay. And that really, that really put me off. Okay. All right. Well, allow me to retort. So before you retort, I will say <laughs> no one can see this because we don't have video and we probably never will because we got, we got faces made for radio. But um, <laughs> when you were given your initial like... Have you seen YouTube? <laughs> <laughs> no, I barely watch it. And the people I do watch don't really have themselves in the camera. So okay. um, no, when we started this episode and you, you were gushing about how classical this film is and that it mm-hmm. embodied the 70s and the 80s, I yep. was... Well, kind of just sit over here smirking because I was like, really? Okay. I stand by it. But all that said, I have to give this a rating to close off. So uh-huh. uh, I'm going to give it a two. That's my, that's my standard rating of, um, I thought it had some things that were good about it. You know, the acting was great. Mm-hmm. Um, performances were good. Yeah. Okay. And if I say, if I say it too, I like there's some stuff that's compelling there, but I'll probably never go back to it or have a reason to revisit or, or see any further stuff there so okay 
So that's right. where I am, a solid two. Solid two, all right. Now, rebut me, sir. Okay, as far as the overacting aspect of the performances, mm-hmm. I think that was intentional. Mm-hmm. There's even a little featurette with Anthony Starr talking about how their performances were heightened mm-hmm. because it's coming from a children's perspective mm-hmm. and everything is a bit more dramatic, you know, and scary, for lack of a better word. So yeah, that that was an intentional mm-hmm. kind of like even how Argento shot Suspiria because he had all the women acting like little girls because mm-hmm. that was the motif he was going for. He wanted them to be like immature mm-hmm. and conjure up the imagery of, you know, a tween girl, the high doorknobs and all that. Um, so I think that was intentional. The the uh, the arch overacting in certain takes. Okay. Um, as far as the malignant comparison you drew, which I knew you would, I knew you would. Um, the problem between the difference between the two for me is that the first five minutes of malignant, I knew exactly what was going to happen for the rest of the movie. Hmm. This one, I didn't. You know, there is some attempt at misdirection. There is some um, reversals. So wait, in the first five minutes, you knew that there was going to be like a monster demon baby form out of the back of her skull at the end and go on a rampage. Yes. Okay. I knew there was going to be an evil twin thing. And as soon as we saw this masked, you know, hidden in dark mm. clothing figure running around, I knew that was the twin. And the, the, she over. would seal him in a mind prison. Well, maybe not exactly <laughs> that. But I knew I knew the setup. You know, I, I knew that she had this, yeah, that she was the conjoined twin. Oh, man, Malignant's so fucking bonkers, though. Like, it just blows up. See, that one doesn't work for me. God, that, that's the, I love that To one. me, that's the blender of everything... <laughs> That's been popular the last twenty years. Put into one movie, it's, oh, it doesn't. I, work I love for me. a solo uh, James Wan film when he just gets to make like a one and done. And see, that's not. I, I just I don't like James Wan as much as you. I, I, he's too funhouse for me, you know. <laughs> um, and I will stand by the cinematography in this movie. It's one of the things I really love. Go back and watch some scenes again. Um, that, I, I that, can show you. It's going to be six more dollars, and I'm, I, I'm not I'll show there, you, man. I'll show you some on the Blu-ray later. <laughs> okay, but it looks gorgeous. I will agree to that. Did you see the Nun too? No, I'm probably going to see it this weekend, maybe. Because now I almost want to, because he shot that. Mm-hmm. So I'm interested to see how that looks. Um, he hadn't done a lot of other horror stuff, but he's worked with um, the director here before. Bodin. Um <laughs> But to me, this is just a. It is. It, it to me it is kind of old fashioned because it's all about the kid fears, that irrationality, and made flesh. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like when you're laying in bed at night and you hear these noises and all the shit goes through your head. You know, this is what comes of it. If mm-hmm. it were to be permitted to become real, um, it's got that whole fairy tale vibe for me, um, which makes me appreciate. You know, some of the more arch aspects of it. You know, it fits. Uh, I like the performances. You, you praise mm-hmm. those too. We agree on that. Um, I just, I found it to be a fun movie. I really enjoyed watching it. it it's one of the few movies I can think of recently mm-hmm. that was just fun. Without being insultingly, you know, stupid. I don't think it insults the audience. You know, um... It's to, to me. It's just a good. This, this this is sort of the funhouse horror done right for me, you know. Um, I don't know if that makes sense, but I I'm, I'm a sucker for the whole 
kid's perspective. That, that, oh, oh, we know. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> um, those things that scare you at night that just don't make any sense. Even then, as an adult, that happens, you know. And this just ticked that box for me. Huh. It just worked for me. It's just one of those things. And it's like we always say, horror is so subjective. Very true. You never know what's going to work for you and what isn't. Um, and I, I will agree the Halloween imagery isn't overabundant in this. Yeah. But I think there's enough there to justify its inclusion in this set. Oh, I, I wasn't protesting that. I just... Right. Yeah. You're just saying you've seen more Halloween at, at the start, it was starting to give me this flavor. Right. And I was like, ooh. You didn't get enough of that flavor. Yeah. I think a lot of that has to do with their dislike of Halloween. The parents' mm-hmm. dislike of Halloween. Um, so at the end of the day, I would give it four stars. Not a perfect movie. There are problems. I, I fully admit that. Okay. Um, of course, almost any horror film, you start to think about it, it breaks down. Um, but it just, it worked for me. I think it's a fun time. I think it's a great movie for people who are kind of getting into horror to watch. I think it's a good entryway movie. Mm-hmm. I think it's even good for kids, despite the horror, it's, it's despite the gore. Because... It's a very soft R. You could get away with showing it to a kid, I think. I think so, too. Um, Especially since the worst part of it is the violence, and that's usually where we slide here in America. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. If they've already played Call of Duty, they've seen worse, probably. Mm-hmm. So, uh, they've definitely heard worse. Yeah, exactly. So, four stars from me. I think it's a wow. fun romp. I'm, st- I'm stunned. I'm shook. <laughs> <laughs> You're right about where I thought you would be. (laughs) But I want to get someone else's take on this. So any of you out there who have seen this movie, let us know what you think. Go watch it. Yeah, we're a real coin toss here. So who do you you land with? Tell me how right I am and how wrong Dustin is. It's okay. Is this a... uh, It's okay to be wrong. We haven't said that in a while. We haven't, no. But it it is okay to be wrong. always okay to be wrong. And, you know, you need to be the one to settle the question. Is this a new <laughs> modern horror classic? I never said it was a classic. Or is it um, kind of just um, your throw it in the theater remux horror movie thing that maybe they put up against Barbie and Oppenheimer because they knew it was going to do bad? <laughs> Bam! <laughs> nothing, <laughs> nothing could perform against the might of Barbieheimer. I mean, listen, when it was in theaters, I saw neither and went to see Talk to Me, so. Hey, I went to see both. <laughs> and loved them both. One more than the other, but liked them both quite a bit. Uh, so that that is That's Cobweb. Cobweb, yeah. That is Cobweb. Interesting start to our sojourn. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Divisive. Divisive. Adversarial, almost. <laughs> Shots have been fired. Wounds have been taken. But that's okay. Okay. Because it's Halloween, and Halloween needs a little bit of blood. It does. Things got to be a little scary and contentious, or you're not going to learn a lesson by the end. So, Are we going to have any bloody lessons from our next feature, Dustin? We are, actually, yeah, because this is almost even lampshaded just by the fact that we've already talked about this film a little bit this year, mm. incidentally. I think I did it as a film that I covered. Um, but I was going over, there's so many options. There's so many ways you can take this. Oh, yeah. Um Lots of like classical options, lots of more modern things. Uh, but I was really thinking, I was drilling down on like that idea of like right, like a film that's on Halloween. Yes. And I, I, well, I wanted in my mind that fun, right? That I said that was lacking here in Cobweb. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so is this film going to pitch a good movie? I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I know that I love it. Um, 
I think the general perception is kind of mixed on it. I'm glaring dubiously. But the one thing I know about it is that, man, it delivers that Halloween vibe in spades. And mm-hmm. I love it for it. Because one thing about a Halloween film to me is you got to have a party at some point. Mm-hmm. So we are going to go wind back the clock to the late 90s, 1999. And we are going to be watching and discussing Idle Hands. <laughs> okay. Directed by Robin Flinder. All right. Okay. Um, I look forward to this because I've never seen this movie. Oh, my God. Really? I never oh. watched it. Okay, the, so then this is a good pick then. Full dis- the trailers annoyed the fuck out of oh, me. Oh man, this might be the out. exact reverse of this episode. It might be, but also it might be because it was so of its time mm-hmm. that now I might... Every look- trailer was made that way. Yes, right. <laughs> then. And trailers are not always, mm-hmm. you know, a representation of the movie they're in. Um, but yeah, it's a 90s horror comedy classic. It's the uh, touching story of a teenage boy that just wants to goof off all the time and his hand gets possessed by the devil. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's happened to me a couple times. Yeah, well. <laughs> um, as they form the title of the film, Idle Hands are the Devil's Playground. That's right. Interesting. All right, well, I'll look forward to it because I have not seen it. Should be fun. Um, Streaming-wise... Yeah, where's it streaming, yo? I own the Blu-ray, so I don't really care, but um, I, I, don't know if, I don't know if it's actively on anything. I think it's like a, you got to rent it on Amazon or the such... I should have prepped. Let this, me I'm confirm sorry. this. Real yeah. time research. Yeah, go ask. Just watch. So they can tell you wrong. Uh, it is sometimes wrong, isn't it? Oh, okay. So apparently, you can stream it on Tubi. Tubi to the rescue. Tubi to the rescue. They've always got it. Um, there's people a, make fun of Tubi, but I'm here to tell you that Tubi is the real deal. No, if, if they would sponsor people, I would actually actively pursue that because totally their catalog is just choice. <laughs> it's choice. So choice. Especially when it's like a Saturday at like 2 a.m. And everyone else in the house has fallen asleep. And you're like, <laughs> yeah. bro, what about Silk Stockings, though? <laughs> yeah. I need to go back right. and watch some weird... Or they have like every Amityville horror yeah. movie ever made. If Amity's in the title, <laughs> they've got it. <laughs> All right. Cool. I look forward to watching this. It does, does have Seth Green. I do like it does. Seth Green. It's actually got a pretty all-star cast. It's got uh, Seth Green, Devin Sawa, Jessica Alba. And many more. And even features a certain band that I've mentioned recently on the podcast. Smash Mouth? No, Offspring. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, actually, I like the Offspring. Well, there you go. They're in the movie. All right. Wow. That's in the movie. That's in the movie. All right. Okay. Well, now I'm, I'm a little optimistic now. Okay. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Okay. Um, so that's going to be our next actual episode. There might be a little treat. <gasps> or a trick. Or a trick. Uh, in the in- intervening week, we'll see. Um. So yeah, you know, let us know what you think about Cobweb. I, I really want to see other people's opinions and I hear do more too, impressions. Because I haven't really heard anyone talking about this. Um, I often do troll through Letterbox to kind of get a vibe, but sometimes it's hard to get a good feeling because it's just very like, yes, I love this and I loved everything about it. Or yeah, they're not usually new. This is the reviews. worst film that I have ever seen, and I hate it. Yeah. Um, I, I want I want your reasons, right? Because right, I, I don't right. care if you like it or hate it. I just Tell I like, me to, why. like to know why. Yeah. yeah. Um, you can hit us up on Facebook. You can hit us up on X. Unless they start that membership program. I don't know. Have you heard about this? I have not, no. Um, there, there were some talks of they might have a small fee to be on there so they can combat bots because they can't stop the bots. No, so they can make fucking money because yeah. they're hemorrhaging cash. <laughs> That's why. Some some real uh, buyer's remorse coming out there, I think. Um, we'll see what happens yeah, there. Yeah, he's a fucking genius. But we're also yeah. on Instagram, and you can email us at genreexposure at gmail.com. 
or sit down at your altar and do a little ritual, Whoa. conjure us up on the spirit board. Whoa, they can do that? They can try. <laughs> All right. We're open to it, is what I'm saying. Ah, yeah, you open yourself up to that sort of thing. It will haunt you. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, oh, and keep sending us films to watch, too. Like, Tenantino was awesome. Yes. I, I've looked over our recent list of acquisitions, and there's many good films on there that I have never seen that I want to see. So Excellent. We'll get to those. Keep hitting us with your awesome suggestions. If we use your film, we will send you out a sticker at some point. <laughs> we keep promising that. Still we working toward that. Yet. It's not a promise. It's a motherfucking threat. (laughs) All right. It's going to happen. All that said, you've been listening to Genre Exposure. All right. Bye, everybody. Take care. listening to the prescribed films podcast network home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment the shows on this network all have a common goal providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media the pfpn hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com thanks for listening